Welcome back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today, we are sitting down with my OPFO fanboy buddy, Josh. How we doing, man? Doing well, and you? Doing well, doing well. Just just chilling like a villain, not bugging, illing, or stealing. Hmm. I've not heard all that extra crap added to that one before. Yeah. You know, I come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. I've heard the chilling like a villain, but not all the added stuff after. Yeah. That's all good. You must be getting old. I am. I'm, I, was, I was born old. I hear you. Old soul. <laughs> That's right. So, hey, uh, wanted to go over, uh, we did a recent weekend kind of revisiting some, some landmarks, some distilleries, all kinds of fun stuff in uh, downtown Louisville, and I thought we'd just talk about that for the next couple episodes. So You could tell people that we took off work, but I think you pretended to be at work that day. I mean, sort of, maybe. <laughs> I kid, I kid. I took <laughs> off work. I took off two days. You did take off two days. I didn't have to. It was really nice. Take off a couple yeah, days. It's fun. I did take off one day. The other day I didn't take off. I, I worked till what like three o'clock. Our appointment wasn't until like three o'clock that night, so I didn't, really didn't have to take off. So I hear you. Good so we're going to talk about uh, a couple of visits to distilleries and bourbon experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the day that we're referencing, I think we did three. Uh, we started at we actually started at Michter's just because we wanted to check out the gift shop. Went from Michter's to Evan Williams, where we did our official first tour. Went, grabbed a sandwich at a place I'd never been before. Yep. Then we went back to Michter's and did the actual tour and tasting. And then we went to the Fraser Bourbon Experience. Fraser History Museum and did a bourbon experience tasting. Which, by the way, I've been through the museum and I've seen all the bourbon exhibit and things like that. But I had no idea they did tastings there. But we'll talk more about that. Okay. So, Evan Williams. We'll start off with that one. So for me, I I guess I don't know. I don't know if I I don't remember going to Evan Williams when it first opened up or whatever. But it was by far the most different of all the other distillery tours I've ever taken. Like it's more about the history and heritage of bourbon in Louisville rather than bourbon as in bourbon. So, so I from, thought that was neat. From what I recall, Evan Williams was the first to come back uh, for a bourbon experience or tour and tasting opportunity. I believe they were the first to really land back on Whiskey Row and to do and offer that uh, experience from what I remember. It's at least the first one I remember doing four or five years ago. No, absolutely. I think you're 100% right that it was the first one that was done. It's um, it's a neat experience. You know, you walk in in a very cool entryway, uh, get checked in, uh, they take you into a room where you get to watch a video. The tour guide gives you a spiel, talks a little bit about what makes Evan Williams unique for uh, themselves. And then um, you watch the video. Video's pretty neat. They really focused a whole lot on the wharf and Evan Williams being a wharf master, I think it was at the time. And it was all about collecting really tax uh, on the wharf so that they could get there before the dam was put in, the lock and dam was put in, and how you got boats back and forth along the Ohio River, talking about the value of that, and Evan Williams, and I have no idea how much of the history is really true, but talking about the wharf and uh, him running it and not putting money in his pockets kind of jokes back and forth, and um, talked about bourbon really coming about so that it could be 
I don't want to say taxed, but so that it could be um, confirmed to be good. What's a good word for that? I mean, I guess it, it, it really just comes back to the, I guess, the Bottled and Bond Act back of what, was it 1897? I have no idea. What's the old Forrester bottle, the second one? 1897. 1897 would have been the Bottled and Bond Act. Then, okay. So. So I think that's what that's kind of tied to. But, you know, I guess what's really cool is, A, that how they laid it out to where you're kind of in that, like, cinema-type room on both sides. You can kind of see different things going on, and then you can see the story happen. It's more of an interactive experience as far as, like, seeing it um, on that aspect of it, but also just really, really different just overall. So it, It's a cool experience. I mean, they pack a whole lot into that narrow building where you're at. Um, you get to see the the distillery, the small distillery they have there wasn't in operation when we were there. I think they take a couple weeks off, maybe sometime in January, February. Um, it wasn't in operation, but, you know, I assume when it's in operation, it's like every other small one you see. Right. Um, get the opportunity to go do a tasting, um, check it out, learn a little bit more about the history and uh, then after that, the tasting walks you straight into the gift shop where you have the opportunity to buy Evan Williams brand whiskeys. Right. And, and and I don't know if it was exclusive to that day, but I've heard rumors that they are pretty much offering most of those distillery visit tours um, the opportunity to at least buy what I would consider a premium bottle as far as like allocations go and things to that nature. So they had the Evan Williams 12-year that they said was exclusive only to you had to go on the tour to get it. And we had a little sticker on our shirt that said we could get it. Um, they had a number of other things in there. The square six, I think they had, uh, which was, um, I believe whiskey that was made there at that distillery facility. Uh, they had a few others. They, they put a special tax strip, I think on most of their bottles that are sold out of there. So it's unique to that experience. Right. Tastings. What did we taste? Do you remember? We tasted what bottle and bond, single barrel, standard Evan Williams, um, the Masters blend, and then the twelve uh, year, right? Yes, and the Masters blend um, was one that was very unique. Right, it was basically a, a little bit of every single one of those regular varieties that we just spoke about. So basically, it's a blend of those four special barrels. Right. I bought uh, when we went into the gift shop. I bought the Evan Williams twelve year. I guess just because we could and we were there, and you know why not. Absolutely. So then, after that, we journeyed over to Michter's. We went back to Michter's um, because our first experience at Michter's, we were able to purchase a bottle of Michter's 10 bourbon. Yep. Um, and tasty, we, tasty. When we came back an hour and a half later, or two hours, whatever it was, there were no longer Michter's 10 bourbon on the gift shop shelf. So I guess it was a good idea that we went to Michter's uh, before we really started the day. And we did that just because we had spare time to kill. We we got there early and nobody was opening. We were there at kind of rope drop, as I'll call it. So right. Went to Michter's. Um, we picked up lunch in between. Where'd we go? It was some against the grain sandwich shop on Fifth Street, Sixth uh, Street. No, it'd have been like Sixth or Seventh. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So we went in there. We had sandwiches. It was good. Then we come back. We we go to Michter's. And I'd be honest with you, like, I, I kind of expected more out of the tour there. Like, I mean, it's just kind of, you walk in, you kind of see the still, you kind of see the, the mash tunes, and then you go back and you do your tasting and you're over. Like, it was just so fast. I was just, I was kind of dumbfounded that they, they, they don't have a bigger experience than that. 
I would, and a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that there's not as much heritage and history behind Michter's in Louisville as Michter's the brand that came out of Pennsylvania. It was interesting to hear the history and heritage of it from Pennsylvania and really uh, how they landed here, how they bought this building, I want to say back somewhere around 2009 or 10 and spent eight or nine years getting this building prepped and ready and probably trying to figure out how to invest money so it wasn't a total loser um, just with all the structural issues that it had and talking about that was neat yep the the actual still and distillation part of the tour was eh, small yeah would have been really neat to kind of see the lab you know the the lab table setup they had in there and let's see him prove something or let's see him check something, but it was okay. Nothing, yeah. nothing phenomenal. I also think a lot of people were off cause it was later in the week and you know, maybe they didn't have it. They weren't running a full shift or things like that. And some of the interesting things that I found though, was that Michter's is the, is the two sons names of the, of the founder of Michter's brand, Michael and Peter. I had heard that somewhere else previously last year. It didn't really stick with me, but I, yeah, neat. That that's kind of well, just kind of neat, different, you know. But the funny thing is, like, I mean, Michter's has been a brand for a long time, so I guess the original founder was in that way, and then you know the guy that reinvigorated the brand, um, you know, took that on, and then the fact that it had been a blend of other companies, you know, the Michter's brand came out of, I guess, the original partnership between the Shank Brothers and the Bombergers. So, did you? Uh, what did we? What did we taste? We tasted. Michter's Rye. Yep, Michter's Rye. We, we tasted their regular bourbon. Regular bourbon. Or small batch, whatever it is. And then we drank the American whiskey. Yep. And then we had the barrel strength rye. Yep. And then the surprise was the Michter's Tin. And wasn't there one of them that they oh. proofed it differently just so that we could taste the difference? Yeah, that was the Michter's small batch. So they basically let you try it at 125 proof barrel entry proof versus their typical... 103 barrel proof if i recall right they focused a whole lot of their tour um we'll call it the history of their tour about how they proofed it um, and bring it in at a low a very low entry point so that you weren't adding a lot of water at a certain time and process and it was okay yeah absolutely the, the mictor's 10 bourbon we got to taste it it was pretty good yep barrel strength rye was Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Of the five, I think, that were on the tasting wheel or tasting cart, the barrel strength rye was really the best. And then Michter's 10 bourbon, they let us taste after. Right. Yeah. Are you a big Michter's drinker? So I do. So I like Michter's 10, and I do like the Michter's 10 rye especially. Um, the barrel strength rye I find to be good, um, not as much as I like their toasted products. So you know I'm a huge fan. I like the Michter's toasted bourbon, the Michter's toasted rye. Um, so, I mean, I like a lot of the stuff they do. Now, I will say a lot of that stuff was sourced. Um, and then a lot of the Mc10 and stuff like that are all still sourced. I mean, I think they're coming to the end of that. Plus, they're not really 10 years old. A lot of those Michter's 10 bottles, Mc10 rise are, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-old juice. Um, and, you know, I've always heard speculations. Now, I can't confirm or deny, but the rumors I always heard that it w that came from the old Forrester distillery, but it wasn't old Forrester. It was at the time, I guess, was it early times was the originally distillery where they started distilling old Forrester from before they rebuilt the still. Makes sense. So, and honestly, I'm, so I, the only open bottle of Michter's I have at home right now is the Michter's 10 rye. 
And that's just a darn tasty bottle. It really is. I mean, it's, I know it's a lower proof bottle, uh, but man, that thing is just flavor bomb all over it. If you can finally cut through the wax to open that bottle, it's a good <laughs> bottle. But those <laughs> bottles, those Michter's 10 bottles, those, that wax is freaking hard, even though it's supposedly got a little pull tab in yeah. it, it. It's very hard to crack open. Definitely hard to pull open for sure. So, so Evan Williams, we didn't, I didn't ask you, are you an Evan Williams drinker? So I, I don't typically drink a lot of Evan Williams. Honestly, if I was going to drink Evan Williams, I would just drink their standard, you know, standard bourbon or their, you know, standard single barrel. I mean, just because I, I just, I don't think in, in my humble opinion, I don't think the, the 12 year or the master's blend are, are worth what you're paying for it. So I, I am not a traditional Hev, um, Heaven Hill or even Evan Williams drinker. However, um, the KFC Yum Center, which is you know really right next door to all this stuff, UFL basketball games, they have a Heaven Hill bar uh, up against the Second Street Bridge inside there that um, when I go in and I want to drink bourbon, I'm going to go and get the Evan Williams single barrel uh, out of there because it's – just a, a unique pour that is okay to at an affordable price to pay for there at the M center. Right. Yep. So we went to those two, uh, Michter's is right there at the corner of, was it seventh, eighth and eighth and, and main. main. Am I saying it right? Michter's Michter's. Yep. All right. At the corner of eighth and main. And I think the tour took about 50, 55 minutes. That sounds about right. And then I'll say we hurried, but it was really like half a block away. We went to the Fraser Bourbon Experience or the Fraser History Museum. We had a an appointment, you know, five minutes after we finished um, Michter's. So if you're talking about taking a tour or going and doing these things, you can certainly line these things up really five minutes apart kind of thing. And the tours never take the full hour. Or unless you get really crazy and a crazy tour guide that likes to drink, these things take, you know, 50, 55 minutes and they want to give you time to go in their gift shop before you depart and let you really schedule these things back to back. Right. So I had in advance, I had booked the Fraser History Museum with a bourbon tasting experience. Um, we got over there, checked in at Fraser, and they have the Bourbon Museum, I think. It's supposed to be the start uh, here in Louisville of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. They have distillery maps. They have a huge, uh, really huge, I think it's the fourth floor, maybe some of the third floor. I can't recall if it's on the third floor or not. But the fourth floor is a museum of bourbon bottles, a museum of um, interactive touch table where you can click on certain things, learn more about bourbon history, mostly Kentucky related. Um, you can go in the bourbon, I don't remember, the bourbon hall maybe it was, and you can count your bourbon number. Yep, count your bourbon number. And your bourbon number is the number of bottles that they have on their wall that you have consumed some part of. At least tried it. Yeah, you've you've taken a sample of it at nothing else. Do you recall what your number was? Uh, I was over 200. I don't remember the number exactly. Probably 211, 210, 209, something like that. Yeah, I think you were somewhere around there. And I was somewhere in the 140s. Yeah, I don't really recall the number. 140, 150. Um, but it was neat to walk around and look at them all. And you just, 
seeing that there's over, I want to say over 300 bottles there in that room, there's probably thousands of others just in Kentucky that they don't have on the wall. Yeah. I mean, should I be ashamed by the fact that I've had over 200 of those bottles? No, not at all. It's a good thing to be proud of. So I, I will tell you, so that's a cool room. And, and another cool room is kind of the, the history room, right? You go back there and there's bottles from pre-prohibition. There's bottles, you know, from, you know, labels and bottles and advertising from, you know, bourbon back in, you know, the, the late seven, 1800s, early 1900s, which I thought was just really, really cool when you can kind of look at those things. Yeah, neat, neat place. Uh, so before we really did all of that, we had a special tasting set up, and I completely forgot the guy's name. But Steve I think Yates. Was, okay. I was going to say Steve, and I couldn't remember the last name. Yep. Uh, we had an opportunity to do a special uh, tasting, and I had no idea when I signed up for it what the tasting was actually going to be. Um, we got to taste through three different bourbons. They were all bourbons I'd had before, and I'm sure they were all bourbons you had had before, but... I can't say that I had ever put these three up against each other or drank them in the order we did. No. And that was definitely unique. Um, What I found odd was, you know, kind of the way that they had described it, you know, and and the way that he kind of described it when he was walking us up was that we were going to get something that was different than most other places. And then we got up there, and, and we had three fun bottles. We had a David Nicholson. I think it was, what, like the 1889? It was a bottle. It was a 100 proof, I believe. Yeah. I can't. I don't remember if it was bottled in Bond, but 100 proof. But I think it was one of the weeders, like the 1889 or something like that. I can't remember the year that was on it. And then it we was, had the Russell's Reserve 10-year. Yes. The the David Nicholson was the one weeder. Yeah. And then we had O Forster 1920, if I remember correctly. That's correct. And so we started out drinking the David Nicholson. And, and I, my my go to would have said we were going to drink the lower proof, and which would have been the Russell's Reserve, then go to David Nicholson, and then the nineteen twenty. But I guess he wanted because David Nicholson was a weeder, wanted to separate it from the other two. Right the, now, the funny thing is, is that I didn't know the Nicholson that that particular bottle was a weeder um, until he kind of said it, I haven't even done any research on it to see if it actually is a weeder or not. Me you know, some, some people make mistakes, but, uh, I just found it odd that, you know, that's kind of like you said, the tasting order that we went in. I will tell you though, two of those bottles are just bottles that are just everyday good shelfers, right? Like stuff you can find and, and you can really, you know, enjoy on a daily basis would be in the Russell's reserve and the, and the OFO 1920. I don't know if I told you, I mean, I think you know that, Turkey was really my gateway back into bourbon, but specifically the Russell's Reserve 10-year, which is a 90-proof bottle, that was really my gateway back into bourbon, and it you know it went from the Russell's Reserve, the 90-proof, the 10-year, to the Russell's Reserve, that dark magenta, um, the, ten, the single barrel. Single barrel 10-year, yep. Um, not always private select, but single barrel... Uh, which is 110 proof. And so I, I really played around with those two for quite some time. And then uh, at some point I had Old Forester 1910. And we'll come back to Old Forester some other day. But um, that Russell's Reserve 10-year, such a good $35 pour or $30, not pour, $30 bottle. Bottle, yeah. 30 to $35 bottle. 
that you should be able to find at any liquor store that is of any reputation. Right. Or, I mean, heck, for that matter, you can find them at Kroger, Meyer. I mean, you can find them just about anywhere in that situation. So Yes. And All right, so we did the David Nicholson, which was, um, I kind of thought it had some, some cinnamon hints to it, uh, a little bit of spice and some fruit, but it wasn't really for me. I remember I drank through a bottle of this a year or two ago. Uh, nothing fancy, probably nothing I would go and pick out on a shelf again unless I was just really bored and wanted something different. Yep. The star of the show to me, though, is still the 1920. I know you like that old Russell's, that 90 proofer, but the, the 1920 was definitely the star of the show. So we went from David Nicholson to the Russell's Reserve 10-year, the 90 proof, and then we worked our way up to the Old Forester 1920. And honestly, you're absolutely right. That 1920 is just a flavor bomb. But you know me that now, you know, life revolves around Old Forester for me. So, yeah, good pour, good experience. Um, we spent, I want to say, about 45 minutes, even though we tasted through just these three bourbons with Stephen. I think we, we were up there chatting with him for a solid 45 minutes, just really, you know, finding out what bourbon wisdom he had and listening to stories he had, he, you know, things that he had experienced and, what made him interested in bourbon. So yep. I enjoyed that more than anything. Really. No, absolutely. And, and, and honestly, that was one of the best parts about the whole day was being able to talk to another guy that knows a little bit about bourbon history, but also, you know, he has his own little show. I would he call it like sipping with Steve or something like that, or sipping Sips with Steve or anyway, one of those things, but we don't sip. We typically make huge gulps. So yeah, chugs, chugs. <laughs> now, so one thing we forgot to mention when we were at Evan Williams, Yep. Uh, and we'll probably pick up on the other part of this on a later week, a different podcast. But we were at Evan Williams. We were talking with the other uh, tour, the other people on tour with us. Yep. And we ran into a couple of ladies, I believe, who worked at Angel's Envy. Correct. Yep. And who helped us rearrange one of our schedules for the different day. Um, I, when I had scheduled all these tours we were doing, they were kind of spaced out because I didn't know, you know, how long are we going to take? How long are we going to spend here? What's this going to look like? Uh, are we going to be an hour? You know, is the five minutes to get from place A to place B okay kind of thing? So they were kind enough to talk, chat it up with us, talk about, you know, our experience there, and then talked about where they were going the rest of the day and then where we were going. So right. we later ended up having one of the people who was on tour with us at Angel's Envy. She was our tour guide the next day. Yes. So, yep. Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Pretty overall experience. If you're going to rate them one, one, two, three, your favorite experience, favorite part of the ex- favorite experience, uh, to the least favorite, all of uh, them being pretty good. I, I had a great day with all three of them. All three are awesome. You should totally tour them all. I actually enjoyed the Fraser bourbon experience the most of the three that day. Um, Evan Williams, I'd been there before. I'd never been to Michter's. So I'd probably rank it, and I'd been to Frasier before as well with a different tasting experience, but Frasier 1, Evan Williams 2, Michter's 3. Mm, I'm going to be just a little bit different. I'm going to go Evan know. Williams 1. you got to be different. The Frasier 2nd and Michter's 3. Just because I, f- I feel like Michter's could just do a little bit more. I'm not sure what they could do differently, and it's it's a small no, piece of take, property inside there. So take I'm, us up to the tasting bar. Make us a cocktail. I mean, do 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 something a little bit more unique, right? Like... Every distillery is the same, but if 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 your if your tour is 
literally walking from one end of the building to the other, I think you've got to do something to, to, to separate yourself from everybody else. Give me a little something straight off the still and let me take a little drink. Yeah, something. I don't know. Take I, it right out of the barrel. I don't, I, probably laws against some of that stuff that we don't know. Got to figure something out. I don't know. I agree, but I, I enjoyed them all. They were all totally worth doing. If you're going to do a tour or day, you may want to start at Michter's just to see if they got anything unique on their shelf. 100%. All right. If you want to find Bourbon Real Talk, you can find us on our Facebook page, Instagram, um, also our Twitter. You can tweet, tweet. Message, med, message us through either one of those um, two forms, being mainly Instagram or Facebook. You can also email us at bourbonbarreltalk at gmail.com. Don't forget, to, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get your episodes of Bourbon Barrel Talk as soon as they drop. This is Scott and Ofo Fanboy signing out. Peace. Peace.